Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville on every social platform known to mankind with you, the viewer and listener, having an opportunity to shape the discussion and offer your perspective that is often woven into the talk show each day. It's a dynamic show, and it's presented today by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Who's got your back? Dr. Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine has your back. Today we have a talk show that is um, going to spotlight um, a business that's for sale for $1.5 million. We will talk Fashion Square Mall and its potential newest tenant, the Albemarle County Operations Center. Curious how you feel if you were a one of the many businesses that is currently renting in Fashion Square Mall what you think of the Operations Center from Albemarle County taking the J.C. Penney storefront. Richard Hewitt owns that store, while Home Depot owns much of the rest of the mall. We'll talk new restaurants opening around town. We highlight on, today's, on, on the show often restaurants that are um, closing, but what we don't do often is highlight restaurants that are open. Actually, I take that back. I feel like we do that. We do occasionally. We highlight openings. Yeah. Um, we certainly highlight the closings, but we highlight openings. We'll talk about some of the ones that are opening around town on today's show. We will highlight on today's program some potential front runners for Cedar McGill spot on city council. Cedar McGill resigned unexpectedly on a five-person council. And now some of the interim applicants, some of the potential applicants for the interim seat. Remember, this is only to get to, through the rest of this year because we're in, a, in an election year right now for Cena McGill's seat. So whoever is named to fill Cena's spot will do it through December 31 of this year. We'll give you a snapshot on who is um, on that short list. For me, there's a clear-cut front runner. Do you guys have a clear-cut front runner for city council? Um, if so, put it, in the, put it in the stream and I'll relay it live on air. Look at the screen and you'll see the headlines we'll talk about today on this fine and fair talk show on a pretty rainy and dreary Wednesday afternoon here in, in, in downtown Charlottesville. On a, a macro headline, mortgage demand is up. We're talking a pretty significant uptick in mortgage demand, 7% weekly mortgage demand increase as interest rates have dropped to their lowest level since September. But as Scott Morris and Keith Smith said on the show Real Talk earlier today, if rates continue dropping, will we see even more buyers jumping into the market with inventory at very meager levels? And if rates continue to drop and more buyers continue to enter the market because of those lower rates, what's that going to do for home values? A lot of crystal ball predictions say they will increase and become even less affordable. So we'll follow up very closely. Again, the show presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Judah Wickhauer, why don't we go to a two-shot and welcome you on the show the director of the, uh, the program. We have a snapshot for who the um, applicants are for um, potential applicants for Cena McGill's spot. I'll relay the names on air. 
You got Alex Bryant. He's, a, he's, he's on the younger end of the spectrum. Alex Bryant, executive director of the X Art Park at one time. Alex Bryant, um, one time employed by Paul Beyer of the Tom Tom Festival, helping mm-hmm. Paul bring a fabulous festival to downtown Charlottesville. He's one of the applicants. Don Dunham III is a second applicant. I don't know him that well. James, is it Goodry Sr. is another one. John Hall's a name we know well. He's run for city council a couple of times. Leah Perrier is one of the applicants for Cedar McGill spot, a longtime Charlottesville school board member, Leah Perrier, who works for the University of Virginia. Um, John Santosky, the executive director of the Ark of the Piedmont. Kristen Zakos, who's been on council for two terms. One of the things Kristen Zakos highlighted was she would not seek re-election mm-hmm. if she was named as an interim city councilor. And then the final one so far is Christopher Valton. I'll give you my take first, and then I'm curious of your opinion on this. I think Kristen, Kristen Zakos is the front runner. Why I think Kristen Zakos is the front runner was exactly what she highlighted in her application. Yeah. She has experience being on council. She has experience with the budget process, and we're in a budget time right now, and she has no interest in, to, in running for re-election. Because Kristen Zako said, I have no interest in running for re-election, and I have experience in two previous terms of being on council during budget time, I think she's going to be picked. I think yeah. she's going to be picked because her experience during the budget process can be relied upon, and I think she's going to get picked because she's not going to run for re-election to challenge Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook potentially. And frankly speaking, her ideology matches pretty closely with the current council. you got a lot of newbies and a lot of rookies to politics on that list. And you got a lot of veterans like Zakos and, 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 and John Hall and Leah Perrier on that list. My crystal ball says, of those eight people, now that could change if more applicants get in the mix. But of the eight we have right now, I think Kristen Zakos is the front runner. Anything you want to add, or if you think Zakos is also the front runner, or, or an applicant jumps out to you, Judah Wickhauer? I, I think it sounds like you've probably got this nailed. Um, I think if there were specific things that the that council wanted to do, some of these applicants might be might be good choices. But you're right; if it's just to fill the spot for uh, for a little while, and uh, and be assured that uh, that you're not bringing on someone who's going to fight you for a seat, then uh, Seiko certainly does seem like the uh, the prime choice. What do you think, viewers and listeners? Is Zakos the front runner? How do you feel about Zakos filling the spot? How do you feel about another Democrat on council? How do you feel about um, folks that are running for election or re-election picking um, Cena McGill's replacement who could also potentially challenge them come November? I think it's Zakos. I think it's Kristen Zakos. I want to give the viewers and listeners a little insight on Kristen uh, Zakos here shortly on today's program. Um, most important thing for you, Judah Wickhauer, for Charlottesville City Hall, and they have a lot on their plate. They got the budget. They got 
city manager still without a permanent hire. Yeah. They got a city attorney that needs a permanent spot. They got gang and gun violence. Earlier this week, a juvenile was shot in the city. This juvenile, in fact, I can, I, I can relay some insight from a um, teacher at Almore County Public Schools that sent me some fantastic text messages yesterday evening. Um, she sent me the link to the NBC29 article that discusses the juvenile shot in downtown Charlottesville moments before a vast power outage that consumed much of Belmont in the city of Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Um, Journey Middle School parents got an email yesterday, which was Tuesday. The shooting happened on Monday evening. Yesterday, Journey Middle School parents got an email from Journey Middle School principal Ashby Johnson. Ashby Johnson, the principal at Journey, is a friend of the program, known her for quite a long time, 10 plus years. And Ashby Johnson, Ashby Johnson, in an email to the Journey Middle School Jaguar family, they're, they're the Jaguars. That's a good mascot, a Jaguar. A Jaguar is an intimidating... Jaguar um, or Jag... Jaguar. Do you say, how do you say it? Jaguar. Jaguar. Jag-wire? I say Jaguar. Am I adding an extra syllable there? I've never heard... You've it. never heard of a Jaguar? I've heard of Jaguars... How do you, you, you say jaguars? Yeah, war, like... Uh, so you're saying I'm adding an extra syllable. Like jaguar. car or car. Jaguar. It sounds like you're saying it like wire. Jaguar. 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 What do you say it is? Do you think it's jaguar? Jaguar. Jaguar. Okay. The long war. Jaguar. Jaguar. Okay. Minneapolis? <laughs> Close. <laughs> That is adding an extra, at least an extra N. I would say a Jaguar is an intimidating mascot. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I wouldn't want to face a Jaguar in real life. Of all the cats, the big cats, which one's most intimidating to you? Is it straight up the lion or the tiger? Uh, Those are the ones that I would usually think of, but I just read something about Jaguars that's pretty scary. Like what? I think they can, like, unhinge their jaw or something. Kind of, I don't know. To consume a larger animal in their mouth? Is that what it is? Let me see if I can find it. All right, you find that little animal factoid out for the viewers and listeners. Jaguars have the strongest jaw muscles of all the big cats. Their bite force is around 15,000 pounds per square inch. Double that of a tiger. I mean, tigers are pretty big, and I would have thought, you know, like, I can't imagine what... I would want less than getting bit by a tiger. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get bit by a tiger. But apparently a jaguar. It's a jaguar. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned how to pronounce the, the, the name jaguar. 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 And I, also, and I also learned this fantastic factoid from Judah Wickhauer. Of all the local mascots in Central Virginia public schools, which mascot is the most intimidating and which mascot elicits the least amount of intimidation? Most intimidating. I mean, is a warrior, a Western warrior intimidating? Is a Mustang intimidating? I don't know what a Western warrior means. <laughs> what, what, Western Admiral High School, their mascot is the Warriors. Oh, okay. Monticello High School is the Mustangs. So Almoral High School is the generic Patriots. Generic warrior? 
Yeah, it's just a generic warrior. Yeah, it's not very scary. Charlottesville High School's the Black Knights. St. Anne's Belfield, their private school are the Saints. Covenant's mm. the Eagles. I, does Journey Middle School have the most intimidating of all the mascots, I'd, the Jaguar? I'd either go with the Jaguar or the Black Knights. What is a Black Knight? They're like an anti-hero. A what? An anti-hero. They're like, I don't know how to describe it. An anti-hero? So the mascot is an anti-hero. An the anti- largest public school in Charlottesville City, their mascot is an anti-hero. Maybe. Are you looking up anti-hero? Yeah. All right. Well, why don't I read the email from Principal Ashby Johnson to Journey Middle School parents um, within 24 hours of the shooting of a juvenile on the downtown mall? Here's the email. Dear Jaguar families, you may have seen or heard about a news report this morning that a juvenile was shot on the downtown mall last evening. We learned that this victim is one of our students. Man, a middle school student shot Monday night on the downtown area. She continues, we learned that this victim is one of our students. At this time, the student is home and recovering. We have reached out to the family to offer any assistance we can provide. We also have alerted our school counseling team to be prepared when school resumes tomorrow to identify, engage, and support any student who shows signs of being affected by this incident. The police are conducting an investigation, and any further information will come from the police department. If your student needs support, please reach out directly to me or a school counselor to arrange, respectfully, Ashby Johnson, the principal of Journey Middle School and a friend of this program. Um, The middle school student was shot, and then, and I'm not. I text often with this teacher, but in in this circumstance, I'm not going to utilize her name. Um, This comment got me thinking last night. A middle school student gets shot at 10 p.m. on a Monday evening. Middle school shot downtown, 10 p.m. on a Monday evening. And this storyline is completely under the radar. It's completely under the radar. It's not made into a bigger deal. We should not underestimate the impact of grieving when you're of middle school age or just trying to comprehend or understand the significance of a shooting with one of your peers, one of your friends. I mean, I have a hard time grasping a middle schooler getting shot on Monday night at 10 p.m. on a school night. I can't imagine what a 6th or 7th grader is going through yeah. who's friends with this kid. Was he there? What do you mean? I, was he there when it was... I thought I heard something about a friend being there when it happened. I'm sorry? <clears throat> I thought I read something about a friend being there when... When the child was shot. I'll read the article from NBC29 to you. The article was all of four paragraphs and maybe 90 words. And wasn't half of it about the, uh, the power outage? Yeah, yeah. More than half was about the power outage. You have a good memory. There you go. The headline is juvenile shot in downtown Charlottesville moments before a power outage. We have maybe 90 words in this report. 
and half of it was about like Judah identified the power outage. I mean, I thought the power outage was like really important to the story or something. You would think, but really reading it. I think what should have happened, and I'm not trying to throw shade on anyone. I was previously in the news business, as you know, print, radio, and television. I think the power outage story should have been separated as its own 15 or 30 second block on the news. And then the juvenile being shot should have been its own block as well. Yes. But I think what happened was is the reporters, um, and, and maybe it's the late aspect of it happened late at night, 10 o'clock, when there's yeah. not a lot of staff on the clock then covering the news. I think they just didn't have a lot of information, so they combined both together. Yeah. So here's the NBC 29 story, and this was from yesterday published yesterday a shooting late monday monday night has left one boy injured but in stable condition according to the charlottesville police department just before 10 p.m there were reports of shots fired in the area of six and garrett streets one boy was injured in the gunfire just moments before more than 2,400 homes in the area lost power dominion energy restored the power just before midnight and then the report says it's unclear if the shooting and the power outage are related at this time <laughs> I, I, I think I, we're not trying to throw shade. Did the bullet pass through and, uh, and strike a transformer? I was wondering the same. I was wondering the same. Or, you know, in, in, until they had mentioned the fact that the shooting took place just before the power outage, I thought maybe, you know, it could have been that someone was cleaning their gun and all of a sudden the lights went out. It's odd reporting. It's very odd reporting. What questions do you have from this? I think these are fair questions. Why was a middle schooler out at Monday night at 10 p.m.? Yeah. Unsupervised. I have that question. Apparently, well, unsupervised. Does it specifically say that he was unsupervised? I mean, if he was supervised, perhaps he would not have gotten shot. I mean, we really don't know anything about the situation. It, we, it could have been a drive-by. It could have just been a, a random stray bullet, which is horrifying in, his, in itself. Um. All fair, all fair. There's very little we know about this. The questions I have are the following. How does a middle schooler get shot? Monday night at 10 p.m. Was he unsupervised or was he supervised, to Judah's point? What kind of shooting was this? Was it a gang-related shooting? Why is this flying under the radar and not getting more attention? A middle schooler shot? On Monday night at 10 p.m. strikes me as a story that should have some follow-up. Yeah. Is this shooting associated with any of the other gun violence we've seen in the area? Why have we not seen any kind of attention from newly minted police chief Michael Kotchis about this? We have a child shot in the city. Yeah. Why have we not gotten more coverage about this? Are you wondering, is anyone wondering the same about this? I'm wondering the same. Here's another question I'm wondering. If the student, and we know the student, um, went to Journey Middle School, right? Why was he in the city at 10 p.m. if he's a middle school student in Almora County Schools? I got that question. You got that question? If you're a middle schooler at Almora County Middle School, why are you chilling in downtown Charlottesville at 10 o'clock on a Monday night? You got that question? John Blair, welcome to the show. Kimmy Crosscamp. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you for watching. I think these are questions that should be asked. Mm -hmm. I think these are questions that should be asked of leadership. 
enough folks that are running our fine and fair city. Do you not? And speaking of Kristen Zakos, I promised you some more information on Kristen Zakos. She is a... Um, She's got a pretty impressive resume. She was elected to two terms on Charlottesville City Council and served from 2010 to 2017, according to Sevilpedia. Sean Tubbs does a great job of updating Sevilpedia. She did not run for a third term. In January 2023, wow, he's already updated this. Sean Tubbs, someone tag Sean Tubbs. Someone give Sean Tubbs some props. Someone give Sean Tubbs some, some, some props. He's already updated Kristen Zakos' profile on Sevilpedia. In January I would, 2023... I would guess he's updated most of, the, uh, most of the candidates. Oh, you think since that's what it is? You know what? You're probably right. Because if it you is. go to that uh, Substack page, the... Uh, when you the, click the names, it goes to Sevilpedia's yeah. profiles. Good job, Sean Tubbs. Definitely. Sean Tubbs, you, you, you do a hell of a job here. Props to Sean Tubbs. Here, okay, let, me, let me tag him in the mix somehow and say props props to Sean Tubbs alright I just tagged him um, Zakos did not run for a third term and, and according to Sevilpedia this month she applied to fill the city council seat vacated by Cena McGill's resignation the remaining councillors will appoint McGill's successor in February Zakos has been a Charlottesville resident since 1994. She's married, has two daughters, currently lives with them in the Locust Grove neighborhood. Uh, she was president of the Burnley Moran PTO and served on the city's special, special education advisory committee. Um, so a little background on Zakos. Catherine Lochner, who watches this program, and Catherine, you, you make the show better when you watch and comment. We appreciate you participating. Catherine Lochner ran for school board in Albemarle County at one time. She leaves this comment. I will relay this live on air. She says, Jerry and Judah, Monday night was not a school night, but yes, why was a student that age out at 10 p.m.? Interestingly, Albemarle County Public Schools was attending a two-day training called Alice a new program for active shooter plans in public schools. Hmm. Very, very interesting, interesting that you brought that up, Catherine Lochner. I wanted to talk about Alice. Um, and I'm going to ask this question. Are you ready for this? Alice is an acronym, and it's now being taught in Albemarle County Schools. For the past 23 years, Alice, Judah has trained and empowered teachers, community members, and individuals on how to respond to a violent event. The Civilian Active Shooter Response Training Program is now being taught to Albemarle County teachers and administrators so they can be prepared to know how to save lives if a shooter were to come to their classrooms. Tuesday was the last day for the Alice training at Albemarle High School. Alice stands for Alert, Lockdown, Inform, Counter, and Evacuate. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Ready for this question? I'm going to describe a scenario for you. This scenario involves a workplace that has become a political landmine. This scenario involves a workplace where quality of life has deteriorated 
extremely quick, especially since COVID and pandemic have transpired. This scenario describes a workplace of extremely overworked employees, underpaid employees, employees that don't have support of their direct bosses and the people atop the totem pole. This this scenario (laughs) is describing a, this this workplace has a scenario or, or, or features a scenario where, where customers, and I use that word loosely, are routinely late, are routinely late. This scenario involves extreme safety concerns. I need to start taking notes. This is, this is Al Morrow's public schools. This is the public schools. Okay? Let me, let me explain. If you're a mom and dad and you're college-aged or you're soon-to-enter-the-workforce son or daughter has aspirations of getting into, say, print journalism or radio or television sales, would you as a parent say, perhaps you should think twice about entering print journalism or radio and television sales because those industries seem to be struggling right now or don't have a lot of shelf life left? I think parents would offer that, right? A lot of parents would say to their kid, maybe you shouldn't consider this career path, say journalism, radio or television sales, phone book sales, whatever it may be, because the future of these professions is not great. Don't you think that's fair? Horse-drawn carriage production. What's that? Horse-drawn carriage production. There you go. Horse-drawn carriage production. That's another good example right there. When does the conversation say, maybe you should consider son or daughter becoming a, a teacher? Is that conversation already happening? For example, in this locality, if you're a teacher at Almoral, you can't afford to live in the county you're serving. You're now being trained on active shooter programming and active shooter response strategies. I kind of think all teachers should be trained on that. Oh, man, that's a talking point we can really get into. Should teachers be trained on active shooter strategies? I mean, it's a sad fact that we have these That's situ- the reality situations. we're in? Um, I, think, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to train teachers, even if you don't expect that to ever happen. It's, uh, I, I mean, it's, I, I, I would need to look into it more and read more about it, but I... But, it sounds like the kind of thing that is just basically a, uh, a helpful skill. It, help, it would help any teacher um, learn to react uh, in, in uh, better fashion to any situation. I could be wrong, but... Uh, would, would, active, would the need to be trained in active shooter strategies encourage more people to get into the teacher profession? Or would it discourage teachers to get it, people to get into the teacher profession? If you're currently underpaid, extremely overworked, having to deal with work conditions that are dangerous, overcrowded, constantly having to look over your shoulder, 
In a lot of the ways, you're the police of the hallways and the bathrooms and the classrooms. Your, your career, um, your space of work has turned into a political landmine. I mean, can you think of anything that's become more political right now than schools? What's more political than schools right now? Maybe abortion rights when it comes to certain states. Yeah. What's more political than schools? Taxes is pretty damn political. I, I would even say taxes is not nearly as political as schools are right now. I'd say abortion is there. I'd say gun rights are extremely yeah, political. I mean, we could get into politics. I'd politics say schools in the top five are the most political things going on right now. The most divisive political landmine topics in the country right now, in the Commonwealth, in Central Virginia, in the Charlottesville area right now. I'd say it's schools. What would you say is more political than that? More of a political landmine. I mean, there right now is a bill that's been um, approved by the delegates that will allow Charlottesville and Almoro County to up its local sales tax for the sole purpose of school reconfiguration or school rehabilitation or capital improvement projects tied to construction or renovation of schools. Basically, what's happening right now, Cree Deeds and the delegates, because we're in a Dillon rule state, are trying to empower the localities by giving them the, the approval or giving them the ability to potentially raise sales taxes in their jurisdiction so that additional funds or money can be used for school improvements. Hmm. This is going to be something that is going to be a talking point very soon. Very soon it's going to be a talking point. James Watson sends me a link to the Charlottesville Police Department Facebook page. Thank you, James, the King of Orbit, for doing this. This post was done right before this show started. I'm going to read the Charlottesville Police Department Facebook page post to you that was done right before this show started. Over the past few days, the Charlottesville Police Department writes, Charlottesville has incurred two more shootings, both of which are currently under investigation. The Charlottesville Police Department is seeking the public's assistance in gathering information on the following cases. On Monday, January 23rd, at approximately 10 p.m., Charlottesville police officers responded to a shots fired report in the area of 6 and Garrett Street. The incident resulted in the injury of one male juvenile. This was the middle school student at Jerdy Middle School. The victim has since been treated and released from the UVA Medical Center. On Tuesday at 12.44 a.m. So, Judah, this is like two hours from the juvenile shooting, right? Two hours and 44 minutes later. Charlottesville police officers responded to a reported shooting in the 400th block of Oakmont Street. This incident resulted in the injury of one 30-year-old female who is in stable condition and currently receiving treatment at UVA Medical Center. So we got two shootings in close proximity to each other from a location standpoint and close close proximity to each other from a time standpoint, two hours and 44 minutes apart. Yeah. Both active investigations. Why was a juvenile out at 10 p.m. at midnight in the city of Charlottesville when he goes to school at Almar County? We're talking a middle schooler here. Was that shooting gang-related? 
Was the second shooting tied to the first shooting? Is this retaliation? Is this tied to the other shootings that's been happening around Charlottesville? When the shootings now are involving juveniles getting punctured by bullets, does that take it to a different level of significance for this community and how it's handled by the police department? If you're a teacher and you're going through all this now, including active shooter training, and your kid's getting shot at night, and then you wake up the next day and get emails from your principal about grieving counselors available for your kids, what's that do to your morale? Would you be more likely to get in to the teaching profession knowing that you're going to have active shooter training in place? Or will that prevent you from getting in to the profession? When does the profession start getting discouraged by parents? When do parents start discouraging their children from entering the profession by saying underpaid, overworked, not safe, look at your work conditions? Is that happening right now? I mean, how many parents are egging their kids on to become teachers in the first place? My parents offered significant feedback to me on my career paths when I was in college or after. Like telling you not to become a teacher? <laughs> I mean, my parents were concerned when I entered print journalism at U coming out of UVA. My parents were very concerned when I launched this business 15 years ago. I, I say many times on this talk show... 15 years ago, I walked into the villas at Southern Ridge, that three-bedroom, two-bath condo that's now a rental, and there was my girlfriend at the time, my parents, and a couple of other buddies sitting on the couch. Surprised me. It was an intervention, and it was an intervention associated with me starting a company. They said, don't quit what you're doing now. They gave me, I don't want to say resistance, but they offered perspective that said, don't get into print. Print ended up working out. And that led to broadcasting, TV, radio, and print all together. And then they gave me perspective, don't quit print, radio, and TV to start this company. I ignored them in both times. <laughs> that doesn't surprise you, though. I know it doesn't. Do parents not offer perspective to their children that are college age or about to enter the workforce and say, don't go into that line of work? I would think some parents would do that, right? I, I yeah. would do that with my boys. Yeah. I know it's a fine line. How, what other dings, maybe the word is dings, what other dings does teaching need before it starts becoming, oh, maybe you shouldn't enter print or you shouldn't enter radio or you shouldn't enter TV because the future is not bright. Are we at that point right now? And, and, and it's a shame because they're heroes. But, I mean, you're taking an active training seminar. At the same time, a middle school student in your school got shot. Yeah. Granted, not in the school. Right. Catherine Lochner says, I don't think training on Alice or any other protocol would keep people from going into teaching. School divisions have been training on this for a long time. Yeah. I hope you're right. I would imagine... Um, similar to nursing, nursing, 
has less people entering the nursing profession. Nursing is arduous on your body, it's labor intensive, it's extremely physical, the hours aren't great, and folks don't treat nurses like the heroes they are. I would imagine you're seeing a lot of similar trends happening with people entering teaching. Yeah. I would imagine that. Catherine, I appreciate your comments. You routinely, I sincerely mean this, make the program better. Thank you for your comments today. I got a tweet from a Warrior AG on uh, Albert Graves on Twitter. He says, maybe Charlottesville needs a juvenile curfew. What do you think about that, Judah? Uh, I mean, it might be worth talking about, but uh, ultimately, who's going to enforce it? Yeah. When we have a third of the police department currently vacant. Yeah, is that... Uh, is that would, how we want our policing resources spent? Would that be the best use of, of them? Um, anonymous and, and, is watch. Go and ahead. Even if, and even if it was uh, put into place, is that, uh, is that really the problem? I mean, this kid being out at 10. Uh, that, for me, is the problem. <clears throat> a middle schooler out at 10 p.m. on a Monday night. And the, he had to be unsupervised. He had to be from Friendship Square. No. He goes to school in Almoral. Friendship Court, Garrett Square, is city of Charlottesville. I mean, he was... He can't live in Friendship... what was he doing on the corner by... Uh, That's what I'm by saying. Champion. That's exactly Friendship what I... Friendship Square. Why is a middle schooler that goes to Journey Middle School by Champion Brewing Company and Friendship's, Friendship Court? Yeah, it's very strange. Is that not strange? I think it's... I agree. And then somebody else is shot literally like... I mean, Two hours and 44 minutes later. I could practically toss a rock from one of those spots. To the Put other. in perspective the proximity, and then I'll get to Deep Throat's comments. I mean, I don't know the distance, but uh, they're like, I mean, it's probably roughly three, four blocks away apart right. from each other. If you were to measure just, you know, by block distances. Janice Boyce Trevelyan watching the program. JBT. I love when you watch the program. JBT. Janice Boyce Trevelyan says this. The media had pictures of the new police chief holding a puppy, but nothing about a middle schooler being shot. And she also says, my daughter has been training in Maryland for years. I think most are and have been training. Um, she's responding to Catherine Lochner on another page. Thank you, Janice Boyce Trevelyan, for that commentary. Um, let's go to direct message here. Bill McChenzie, uh, we'll get to your comments here. Sean Tubbs wants a top hat, he says. Sean Tubbs is watching the program right now. He deserves one. He deserves a top <laughs> hat. We love you, Sean Tubbs. Um, Anonymous says this. I'll tell you what, Judah and Jerry. Don Dunham is a quality guy. He's one of the guys trying to fill Cena McGill's spot. Yeah. Anonymous says, Don Dunham is a quality guy. He blows away what is up on the dais right now. Wow. Mm -hmm. That said, I think appointing Zakos might be the fairest thing 
in that she has committed not to run in November. The most important thing to me is, is the council does not bestow the massive advantage of incumbency on one candidate in the fall. By the way, my wife was a big city public school teacher before getting her PhD. Teaching was her dream. She quit. The deal breaker was lack of backup from administration and dealing with the 5% of kids with serious behavioral issues. I appreciate that, Anonymous. I will also um, compliment your beautiful wife. She is a hell of a squash player. She hits very tight rails. Her forehand is very crisp, Anonymous. I've seen it many times. Um, Olivia Branch, the queen of Keswick, is watching the show. She said, my church did active shooter training as well, gentlemen. Sad but true. We still have a regular... uh, uh trooper that will sit outside our church. Uh, What's that? We still have... At a, your church? Yeah. A I trooper that, that uh, I believe off the clock uh, will come and... Uh, is he a part of the congregation? Or is he choosing to do this because he's been instructed to do it? She... Oh, it's she. I apologize. Is, uh, I don't think she's an active part of the church, uh, but she does know... We've got, uh, we've got one cop at least one cop in our church and another uh, another member who is uh, who's recent, fairly recently uh, become the uh, I believe the police chaplain. And um, and what is she doing? She's sitting out church in a in, in a patrol car. Yeah, in a patrol car, off off the clock or on the clock? I believe off the clock. So it's I a take home patrol car then. Yeah. Um, it was uh, there was a. There was an incident, I think, where somebody showed up at the church and scared some people, and I don't think it was serious, but, uh, you know, they decided to take uh, precautions. Um, Juan Sarmiento, I'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. Multiple people are putting on the feed, heck, you had a daycare in the area that recently sent out an email to their parents about a break-in at drop-off before school started. I'll offer a little background on this. I yeah. won't name the daycare because I don't want a scarlet letter, a reputable daycare. This was about... Uh, this was less than a month ago. Some, the, the mother just like went in to get their kid, and while they were gone for like 45 seconds a minute, somebody smashed the window. and Someone shattered her window. Yeah. And grabbed, rummaged through her car. And grabbed, I, think, I don't think they rummaged. They I think, stole something? I think they saw that she had left her purse in the car. And so they just smashed the window, grabbed the purse, and were gone. Think about how ballsy and brazen you are as a criminal. Which criminal is more ballsy and brazen? And I think we obviously know the answer to this. Which criminal was more ballsy and brazen? The criminal that went into a bar on the downtown mall and murdered someone in front of a bunch of people in the restaurant? Or the criminal that goes to the drop-off line at a daycare, mm-hmm. waits for a mommy to go to the front door to drop off their three-year-old, and as the mommy is going from her minivan, her Honda Odyssey, to the front door of the daycare, they crowbar the driver's side window and steal the purse in the 45 seconds she's dropping little four-year-old Johnny off at the front door. Or picking him up. Which is the more ballsy or brazen criminal? I mean, i got to say the guy with more to lose. I, I, I would say the most ballsy or brazen criminal is the criminal that went into a downtown mall restaurant without wearing a disguise or any kind of mask or any kind of yeah. hiding protection of his identity, whipped out a gun, 
murdered somebody in front of a dozen people, and then left the restaurant to go on the lam to Tennessee. Yeah. That's more ballsy and brazen. But still, crowbarring a window at school drop-off is pretty ballsy. At this point, I think uh, they probably know the odds. And uh, What does that mean? That they, they don't have enough police to enforce the law so they can get away with anything they want? Is that what you're saying? I mean, that's part of it. Uh, they probably have two or three people keeping watch. And one person who's you know, done this a bunch of times, it's probably like a job. You wait for the person to get out of the car. She doesn't have her purse. Somebody gives you a signal. You run up, smash the window, grab the purse. It's like 30, 45 seconds and you're done. Tops, and tops. Probably, and they've probably done it dozens, if not hundreds of times. So they got practice. Imagine, uh, I mean, it's the same with the, uh, the people that were in, uh, the people that were running into shops. Yeah, doing the, uh, what, do we, what do we call those things? The um, confuse and grab. The gang robbery. No, we should come up with a nice little moniker for that. When a group of people does, like, stealing of uh, iPhones at Best Buy or, like, the Apple Store. Mm-hmm. Grab, gang grab, gang and grab. I don't know. I'll come up with a, fan, uh, a nice little brand for that right there. Um, do we have a curfew? Catherine Lochner, is there a juvenile curfew in this town? Is it midnight? She says, I thought we had a curfew for juveniles. It is midnight. Is that, is that true? Did you? I did not know that, if that's true. Oh, Bill McChesney is saying we do have a curfew. The curfew ordinance, city code 17-7, applies to juveniles under the age of 17 and between the hours of 12.01 a.m. through 5.05 through 5 a.m. Oh, we do. No, Catherine, we do. Look at Bill McChenzie's comment right there. There is a city curfew from 12 a.m. to 5 p.m. Bill McChenzie, thank you. I did not know that. But really, who's going who's gonna to How do you enforce that? it? I think, it's, I think it's a way for the police, if they see children that look like they're less than 17 hanging out, it gives the police a legitimate reason to stop them. Yeah. Does it say, hey... We have a curfew here. What are you doing? And yeah. then they can further investigate. Thank you. I'm gonna, let me respond to Bill. Thank you. And then I'm going to tag Catherine in this comment um, that Bill left. I didn't know there was a city curfew for juveniles. Did you? I didn't either. I don't, don't, I don't know why I would have. But Can we start at asking these questions? Here are the questions we should start asking. And I'm going to try to do these a few in a row. A middle schooler at Journey Middle School, which is in Almoral County, was shot next to Friendship Court on Monday night at 10 p.m. First question I have, why was a middle schooler who goes to an Almoral County Middle School hanging out in the city of Charlottesville at 10 p.m. at night? Second question I have, why did he get shot? Third question I have, was it gang-related? Fourth question I have, the shooting that happened just after midnight, was it in response to the middle school shooter shooting? Next question I have, are both shootings gang-related? Next question I have, these are all fair questions. How are the students at Journey responding to this? How are the teachers responding to this? The irony is this shooting happened as teachers are getting trained for active shooting. Granted, that's in the classroom in the hallway, 
and not 10 o'clock in a different jurisdiction. Yeah. Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, is watching the program. She says, maybe the young man was with a friend or relative while a parent was working a night shift. Sometimes grandparents, aunts, uncles, families, friends are more easily persuaded to allow activities parents may not. The authorities need to get a handle on this for the sake of our kids. It's a fair comment. I was able to get away with a lot more with Mima and Poppy or Grandma and Granddad than I was with my parents. It's a fair comment. That's maybe, maybe the parents were working a night shift. Maybe we, th we should not throw shade at the parents. Maybe they were. Good comment. I read this live on air. Um, multiple people think Leah per year will be the pick hmm. by council. And people are referencing the fact that um, Jojo Robertson in particular says Leah per year used to work with Juan Diego Wade hmm. on Charlottesville City Council. And because Leah per year, or excuse me, on, on the school board, on the Charlottesville school yeah. board, and because Leah per year used to work with Juan Diego Wade on the Charlottesville school board, Jojo Robinson thinks Leah per year will be chosen because of that connection with Juan. It's a good comment from you, uh, Jojo Robinson. My money is still on Kristen Zakos. And why I think Kristen Zakos is going to be picked is because she served two terms on council already. Leah per year has never served on council. And because of those two terms on council, Zakos has institutional memory and not as steep of a learning curve as yeah. the other candidates. And more importantly, it's budget season right now, and the budget season is a tough, complicated process. And Zakos has already gone through budget season eight times. Two terms, eight years, budget season every year. Okay, so I'm going to go Zakos on that, but Jojo, I respect that. Um, Juan Sarmiento is watching the program, and I want to get this right. Juan sent me this on uh, earlier today. Juan Sarmiento, we've monikered him the king of transportation. He says he works for the city of Charlottesville Fleet Division and not Charlottesville Albemarle Transit. So he's the lead technician for the city of Seville Fleet Division. He works on everything besides the transit buses at CAT. So everything else Charlottesville City transportation related, he works on. He says he told his children not to take the same path he did and not to get into automotive, automotive repair. Hmm. I respect that. I respect that. My parents, a CPA... My dad's a CPA. My mom ran his practice, essentially his operations director in a lot of ways. I think my dad would probably tell me not to get into CPA work if I had chosen to get into that line of work um, while in college or prior to college. Yeah. Um, all right, more comments come in. They're fast and furious. <laughs> Bill McChesney says no more Zakos. Uh, Philip Dow, the king of Scottsville, calls them gangbusters. I would imagine he's talking about the, uh, the, the groups that go into stores and do some stealing. Call them gangbusters? Yeah. You don't, you don't think that's a good one? Um, Jennifer Nunley-Hux says, car break-ins and stolen items this week in Crozet 
People need to wake up to the increase in crime in our area. I'll add to this. I was playing uh, squash yesterday with a buddy, and he lives in the Crozet neighborhood called Gray Rock. Hmm. And Crozet, known as a sleepy little suburb of Charlottesville that's safe, known for schools, right? Pro Renata, schools, old trail, quality of life. He said in the Gray Rock neighborhood this week, they had folks checking doors and breaking into cars. Wow. And breaking windows. At Dardentel Park this week, parents were parking at Dardentel Park to watch their kids play a sport. And when they returned to their car, their windows were shattered and the stuff inside their vehicles was stolen. Yeah. That's nasty. It's terrible. That's yeah. the low of the low. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Mob shoplifting has been put on the feed by multiple people. Hmm. Um, a couple other topics I want to get to. Wow, it's one thirty already. We often highlight on the show the restaurants that are going out of business. We also try to do a good job of highlighting the restaurants that are opening and going into business. Why don't I take one, you take another. Do you want Bad Luck Ramen Bar, Basta Pasta, or DIY Pie? I mean, do I have to, what do I have to do? You don't have to do anything. So I don't really know a whole lot about these places. I'd like to check a lot of them out, but uh, they are fairly new. So uh, I got some intel on them. Should I offer it? Sure. Bad Luck Ramen Bar is the new restaurant inside North American Saki. Yeah. Ramen was one of the hot items on the North American Saki menu. One of their best sellers. Mm-hmm. And because ramen was selling so well, North American Saki chose to pivot their model a little bit. And now they're going to feature ramen as the go-to cuisine at this restaurant and Saki Brewery. Bad Luck Ramen Bar is a brand inside a brand. North American Saki, the macro brand. Bad Luck Ramen Bar, the micro brand. Are these the same company? Same company. Because they've always had ramen there, haven't they? Yeah, but they just tighten their menu. Instead of having other items or other offerings, it's now ramen-centric. Okay. Before Which, it was ramen and poke bowls. And yeah, that. I believe there was some sushi on there. Yeah. Chef Barry, Jay Barry, does a hell of a job over there. Basta hmm. um, Pasta is another brand that is open inside Dairy Market. Yeah. Basta Pasta, the brainchild of Dino. We love Dino. We love Dino. I was at Dairy Market on Saturday. If you go to Dairy Market... You basically see Dino almost having three food stalls there. He's got the chicken rotisserie. He's got the um, brick oven pizza. That's kind of the same thing, but yeah, I get it. It's, it's two different. It's uh, a large stall. It's yeah, larger than the no other doubt. ones. It's a larger than the other ones. And, it's and he's corner. got pasta pasta. So he's kind of running three brands out of there and just has the concept of vertical integration where he could just manage all three from one spot. One of the things he did that I found a little curious, little curious, is he's also running the, um, the point of sale, the kitchen. I think it's Hop's Kitchen at Pro Renata. Huh. That one I found a little curious. But hey, Dino, you're expanding. I respect that. And then the third one I want to highlight is DIY Pie on Pantops. It's the new pizzeria that replaced Lilo's Pizza, formerly known as Christian's Pizza, yeah. 
um, on Pantops, which I learned the other day from you, Judah, was the Rivanna Ridge Shopping Center. Yeah, and I hear they replaced the uh, the oven, but I've also heard mixed reviews of the uh, of DIY. Um, um, I'd like to I'd like a, a more concrete uh, review. I think of DIY. Yeah, what's what's your concern with DIY? No, like I said, I've heard. I've heard conflicting uh, conflicting thoughts on their uh, on their fare. Um, what have you heard? I mean, I don't want to badmouth them because okay. it, I don't. It's not uh, you know, it's it's like second or third hand gossip rather than. Uh, but you, know, you did try the hungry hut. The what? The hungry hut. Hang, yeah. Is it Hungry Hut or Hangry Hut? Is it Hangry Hut? I, I don't know. Let's, let's get in our car and drive around town and look at the signs that are everywhere. It's Hangry Hut. It's Hangry Hut? Yeah. Hangry like the feeling you have when you're starving? Yeah. Hmm. When you're hungry, angry. Hmm. I mean, they've got... They've got what do you talk, think of that branding? Talk about an odd selection of... Gyros. Uh, you, you were hyping the gyros. Actually, you said the gyro was... Euros. Gyros doesn't work? Jaguar? Jaguar? Jaguar. Jag- Jaguar? Gyros? Jaguar. Yeah. Um, you, you had a lukewarm... I actually had this conversation with my wife. She watches the show. Your, she said your response to the gyros, euros, euros, was lukewarm, and it made her hesitant to go to Hangry Hut. Well, I'm sorry. The meat was fantastic, but in my, uh, in my eternal search for a decent... Uh, a decent euro, at least like the way I remember them, it was a little bit lacking. It was still it was still delicious, but uh, you know I was uh, expecting, you know I was expecting the euro meat with lettuce, tomatoes, uh, cucumber. Uh, it had the it had the lettuce and the um, the tzatziki sauce. Um, I love tzatziki sauce, but that was pretty much it was pretty much just meat. Lettuce and tzatziki sauce. I'd in bathe a, in that in sauce. In a pita, and it really needed, you know, it needed some feta cheese, some tomatoes, some cucumber, some uh, some olives. Um, that would have been, that would have put it way over the top. But it was, if memory serves, seven fifty. I believe it was. I'm trying to remember. I I think it was seven fifty, and then it was eleven with the with the fries. Whoa. I mean, everything is everything's expensive now. I, I went to, I went to um, I went to Bagby's not too long ago, and was surprised by the price of a of a, I think it was a meatball sandwich. How much was that? Oh, I think it was eleven or twelve dollars just for the sub. And was yeah. it the big one or the small one? I I think it was the larger. I don't I don't know, but. Uh, Where's the best? Catherine Lochner says we have not had a it, decent euro it wasn't since a foot long. Mykonos restaurant um, on Route 29. Mykonos is which shopping center is that? What's that? That's is that like, Almoral Square? I do vaguely. You know what? I actually wanted to go try that place, and it closed. And when it was the, next to a shoe actually, repair spot. Yeah, it was right over there by was it Giant? Where Giant there was a used bike. To be. The bike store was next to it. Curtis Shaver used to work at that bike shop. Love you, Curtis Shaver. Yeah, it was in uh, it was in Seminole. Where is that uh, Seminole or Almoral? I believe that's, I get those two confused. It's Seminole. It's Seminole. It's the same one. It's the same large 
spot that uh, that Outback Steakhouse is in, uh, Aztec Plaza Azteca, the uh, uh, the sushi place that I can never remember the name of, Sushi King Love or Love Sushi, sushi King or yeah, I think it's Sushi King. King Sushi Love. It's one of those. It's three words that I can never remember the, the order of. Where's the best gyro in town? Who serves the best gyro in town? I mean, that's what I'm saying. None of them are perfect. Uh, Have you had the gyro at the white spot? No, you asked me that before. I the gyro at the white spot's legit. Have you, Catherine Lochner, had the gyro at the white spot? Have you had the gyro at Tip Top? I have had the gyro at Tip Top. They're a little bit odd. What like, do you mean? They've got a platter, a gyro platter, and then they've got just a gyro. And I wanted a gyro with the Greek salad, you know, like... Uh, All the fixings. The Greek salad. Yeah. It's, it's a little different from a normal salad. You wanted, anyway. a, little, you wanted a little feta in your life. You like so, the feta. A little so, feta. So I wanted to get the, I wanted to get the gyro platter because it came with the Greek salad. I didn't want to order a separate Greek salad because it's like $10 and, a, you know, a large size salad. I just wanted the small, like, side Seems Greek very salad. reasonable. And... Apparently, the, the platter comes, they, they cut the pita into, like, four slices. So you can't make it into, like, a, you know, like a, a regular gyro. And I'm like, well, it's the exact same thing. You just normally cut the pita. Can I get, you, can you not cut the pita? And they're like, no, we can't do it. That's how it comes. And I'm like, Are, you're kidding me, right? This is that tip top. Yeah, I'm like you know, Tip Top Terry doesn't own Tip Top anymore. I just want a euro. Terry Vasilius doesn't own Tip Top anymore. Well, I, this was this was uh, at least a couple years ago, and I'm just like, you've got to be joking me. I can't, you can't not cut the the pita. And so finally, somebody like called one of the uh, one of the managers, and they're <laughs> like, he wants a he wants a euro platter, but without cutting up the pita. And the guy's like, yeah, okay, do it. It's such a contrarian. I'm just joking. I'm not I'm like, gonna, we're not going to relive two days ago. I'm like, was it that hard to just... Such a contrarian. Such a contrarian. I mean, why would I want to cut up pita? Like, I want a euro. I, it seems very reasonable. Yeah. It seems very reasonable. And Curtis Shaver is watching. Hello, Curtis. Good to see you, my friend. Um, he says, that place was right next to Performance Bikes. And he said, Catherine Lochner is right. Those euros used to slap. Catherine, oh, that's a millennial chatter for they were delicious. And they were awesome. Curtis, I love when you watch the program. Jason Burke is watching in Los Angeles. He says, the best euro in SIVA was at Cafe Europa on the corner, hands down. Cafe Europa on the corner used to have phenomenal tomato soup as well. I used to go to Cafe Europa on the corner all the time. When I was a student at the University of Virginia, I, I concur that Cafe Europa was delicious. And Neil Williamson says, I'm unable to see, I'm unable to unsee the mental image of Jerry Miller, Miller bathing in tzatziki sauce. I would bathe, here, here are the things that are that, odd that I would bathe in that I love so much. Oh I love man. tzatziki sauce. Do you not? I do. It's, it's amazing, especially on a year. I love A what? Eggnog. I would bathe okay. in eggnog. Eggnog is good. My eggnog friend, is so good. My friend makes a great, like, four liquor eggnog. I love eggnog so much. Some people get a little weirded out by the viscosity of eggnog because it's so thick. Yeah. I don't mind it. 
Multiple people are saying Tip Top has the best Euro in town. Who has the best Euro in town? Tip Top is good, but there's still... I'd have to go back and try it again, but uh, I feel like they're missing a couple things in their Euro as well. Catherine says her current favorite Euro is at Michael's Diner in Holly Mead. Hmm. Interesting. Do you like your Euro wrapped in foil or unwrapped? Should it be served in a foil wrap to keep the gyro tightly compressed and its contents within the pita. Is it a pita? Is the gyro served in a pita? It's a pita, right? Generally, yeah. It's a pita. Do you like your gyro silver tinfoiled wrapped or unwrapped? It doesn't necessarily have to be foil. Mine has to be wrapped. Wrap that bad boy. Okay. I'm saying it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be wrapped in foil, (laughs) but it should definitely be wrapped. Wrap it. So mature, wrap it up. Butcher paper would probably work really well too. Oh, I'd take a butcher paper wrap. My uh, favorite. Normally they're served in tinfoil wrap. My favorite burger ever was uh, from Tommy's in Los Angeles. Ooh, Jason and Burke is watching in Los Angeles. Sherman Oaks, right? Sherman Oaks. And, Jay Burke. Uh, they would. I would get a double chili cheeseburger and they would wrap it in butcher paper and it was perfect. Because you could easily just peel it back as you went, and by the time you were finished with the burger, you had a little package full of chili and cheese that was left over. What did you do? Would you lick the burger, the butcher wrap? How did you get all that? Did you use a fork to scrape it off to eat it? I'm not telling. Oh, secret tricks. No, there's there's no uh, there are no forks. You just uh, I don't know. You just open it up and. I'd, get, I'd buy two of those and, and have them down in like 10 Five minutes. minutes. Yeah. John Blair watching on LinkedIn. He says, Jerry, I know a current teacher in Albemarle County Public Schools who actively tells both of their children do not become teachers and <laughs> provides a host of reasons to their kids on why they should not go into teaching. John Blair, we love you, JB. Um, Bill McChesney says Michael's is a derivative of Tip Top. Catherine <laughs> says eggnog is so gross. <laughs> Dave Norris is watching. Dave Norris is running for delegate. We love you, Dave Norris. He says, Jerry, when are you going to start marketing I Love Seville eggnog bath bombs? <laughs> Guaranteed bestseller. Wow. Oh, that's so funny. Dave, um, congratulations on your announcement for delegate. I think you would make a quality um, candidate, my friend. For those that are watching the show, they know I'm a huge fan of Dave Norris. For those that are also watching the show, they know I'm a huge fan of Bellamy Brown. Yeah. Okay. The conversation, the scuttlebutt around the water cooler has Ned Galloway entering this race in the near future. I'm a friend of Ned Galloway. I don't really know Katrina Coulson. I don't really know Dave Brown. I don't really know Deshaun Cooper, Mm -hmm. who's also running. I wonder how Katrina Coulson can fairly represent Charlottesville in Richmond when she's an attorney for Charlottesville City. I, I need some clarity on how that is not a conflict of interest. Yeah. And I still have not gotten that clarity. How can someone be an employee of Charlottesville City and then represent Charlottesville fairly in Richmond? I, I still hmm. have not gotten that answer. Um, someone please offer that perspective for me. I'm willing to learn. Listen to learn. A lot of comments coming in on the euro. Wow. 
Evidently, the hangry, hangry hut euro has resonated with the viewers and listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear if people have... Uh, Curtis Shaver, favorite... would you launch a euro ba- business? Would you do that? Would you launch a euro-focused business, Curtis Shaver? Very curious of your take on that, my friend. Um, I got a couple of other items out of the notebook that I need to get to, Judah. And then we'll go to viewer and listener comments live on air, including comments from Kevin Higgins, Jason, and Juan that are coming in fast and furious. All right, quickly, before I get to the uh, comments. Um, The operations center is looking like a reality in Fashion Square Mall in the old JCPenney spot. Mm-hmm. Almoro County is going to run um, a headquarters for rescue. Um, what's that? Is, it, is that for rescue? It's going to be like fire, rescue, repair, kind of like a meeting place, a place to work on vehicles like fire trucks, yeah. like a garage bay in that JCPenney spot. Right. They're going to be spending roughly just under $600,000 a year in rent, Almoro County. They will be paying Richard Hewitt, who owns the JCPenney. Remember, Home Depot owns most of the mall, but the JCPenney storefront is owned by local developer and businessman Richard Hewitt. So just under $600,000 a year, Almoro County is going to be paying Hewitt in rent. Hmm. I'm all for this. I, I, I find it somewhat intriguing that a JCPenney is essentially being repurposed for um, an operation center. I mean, how, how else do we describe this? How else do we describe an operation center? I mean, that's the, probably, that's the best description. Yeah. It's a place to operate and manage and run and put on the road Almoro County vehicles. Yeah. Is that a great neighbor if you're running a business, a for-profit business, out of Fashion Square Mall or the JCPenney? Richard Hewitt is actively, and his company are actively saying, look, Almoro County is only going to rent a portion of the JCPenney. The other, the rest of the JCPenney is, is available for rent. Please consider signing a lease for us. Would you want to be a neighbor to an operation center if you were thinking about opening your business in Richard Hewitt's JCPenney? I think I'd be more concerned with how much business or how much traffic the uh, uh, <clears throat> the eventual Home Depot is going to bring in. What does that mean? I would say the eventual Home Depot is going to bring a lot of traffic. Yeah. And so I would be more concerned with that than I would be with, with the... Uh, service center. I think the Home Depot, though, is a long time away. Yeah, I know. The Home Depot is, like, years away here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know who's potentially thinking about moving in there now, but I was, if I was, uh, I would want to wait for that spot until it actually has some uh, Uh, Spencer Pusher. I'm sorry to interrupt. I apologize for that. Spencer Pushard says, fill me in on the JCPenney. I just started tuning in, Jerry. Well, JCPenney, absolutely happy to help Spencer. JCPenney is owned by Richard Hewitt. He's a local developer. He is working a deal with Almoro County, and this deal is heading to um, signatures and, and a close, and that deal is opening an operations center in the JCPenney building, which he owns. Monthly rent, or excuse me, yearly rent is just under 600000 for the total year. And Almore County is going to use a portion of the JCPenney storefront to run an operation center 
where it's going to be um, a place to repair vehicles, to meet with team members, and, and, and get county vehicles on the road safely and efficiently out of one spot, as opposed to splintered locations all over a very large county that's not very efficient. So that's kind of the elevator pitch of what's happening. I'm asking if an operations center would encourage you or would be a draw for you to open your business next to it. Does it have any appeal or does it in a lot of ways hurt the area from a business development standpoint, dissuading people from opening businesses next to it? That's what I'm wondering. Um, Spencer Pushard says, amazing how a locality can rezone their own property to fit their own needs, but not necessarily that of private business people. Um, Neil Williamson says, the Almiral Rio Plus 29 plan calls for mixed-use development. The other hand, Almiral signs a 10-year lease with a 10-year option for an operations center. Yeah, this... This 10-year lease is going to make Richard Hewitt in the neighborhood of, I'll just use $600,000 as the number for each year, but this dude is going to make roughly $6 million over the course of that 10-year lease from Almaro County. And it's, I, I can assure you it's a triple net lease because Richard Hewitt is a smart man, where Almaro County is covering taxes, upkeep, maintenance, CAM, everything. Mm-hmm. Richard Hewitt just collects a paycheck. Yeah. It's a pretty good deal you've struck there, Richard Hewitt, with the uh, Albemarle County Operations Center at the JCPenney. Um, let's get to comments. We have a lot of them today. Kevin Yancey. Oh, Chuck Ramey's comment first. Ooh, Juan Sarmiento and Chuck Ramey both called them smashing grabs. They're smashing grabs. A when a one. group of people go into, like, the Apple Store or the Best Buy and Steal. Smashing grabs is good. Um, Kevin Yancey says he's watching in Waynesboro. Charlottesville doesn't have cops to go to a list of crimes, but you want to enforce, enforce a curfew? Yeah. Yeah, enforcing a curfew is going to be impossible. I think uh, you made a good point that it may be more for the ability to take action when necessary because it's in place rather than, rather than being there so that it has to be enforced. It's more like, hey, we've got this in place, so when we do see a kid out at, you know, like 1 o'clock in the morning, we have a reasonable excuse for stopping and saying, hey, uh, what are you doing? I think that's good. Yeah. It's your point, not mine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, It would be really hard to, like, and, and why would we even want to have police patrolling on the lookout for kids? Yeah, that, the, the curfews make me nervous. Because that's like government really starting to extend its reach. Yeah. Curfews kind of get in the category of like rent control. Maybe you and I disagree on rent control, but rent control really scares the bejeebus out of me. Jason Burke in Los Angeles gives props to North American Saki for a pivot and a quick response to adjust to market needs, and he gives executive chef Jay Berry some props as well. Jay Berry's a talented chef, 
Kevin Higgins, the king of Greenwood, says the best unknown deal is the $9 large pizza on Pantops from Lazy Parrot. It is so, so good. He says it's a square cut and the closest to Barnaby's in town. Closest to Barnaby's? Barnaby's was a very popular pizzeria in this area. Before my time, I got here in 2000. I've been here 23 years. But the Barnaby's brand still resonates to this, to this day. Um, Kevin Higgins and Chad Wood are zinging each other back and forth because they love talking about food on the show. And when we talk about food, they jump in. I love both those guys quite a bit. Um, smash and grab, Bill McChesney says, is what happened to the lady at the daycare. We covered a lot today. Jason Burke highlights a chili burger. We need a good chili burger in town. Oh, yeah. Citizen Burger Bar's got chili burgers. You know, my Citizen Burger Bar is probably the standout burger place that could really use some butcher paper wrapping the burger. Because I go there and I... Have you suggested this to Andy? Andy's yeah. a friend of the program. We, helped, we created the logo for Citizen Burger Bar. I know. We helped them come up with the name for Citizen Burger Bar. Yeah. Built the initial website, did the branding and, and, and brand launch. Have mm-hmm. you said that to Andy? No. You know he likes the CB branding on the, on the brioche bun to show. I think that's pretty badass. The CB branding on the brioche bun is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No it's doubt. like a, a, a stamp on a cow. Yeah. Cow brand. It's like a cow brand. But yeah. if you use the butcher paper wrap on the Citizen Burger Bar brioche bun, it covers the branding on the bun. Say that three times fast. Good you Lord. Could, no, you could. I think you could style it, style it up so that it, uh, f- so it folds back in the center so you can see the CB. Or you makes can put it, the branding it, on the butcher paper. And makes it easy to peel back the paper as well. Why not just put the branding on the butcher paper? You could do that too. I actually do know where to find uh, Richard Hewitt there, Anonymous. I do know where to find Richard Hewitt. But I won't read this comment that you sent me here for the sake of uh, Richard Hewitt. Um, smashing, grab, smashing and grabbing is what Warrior AG is putting on Twitter. Love that you're watching the show now, Warrior AG. Um, anything else you want to add today? I thought you did a great job. Judah Wickhauer. Oh, I didn't talk about the $1.5 million business that's for sale. All right, I need, a, I need to save that headline for tomorrow's show. So the two headlines, the Lafayette Inn and Restaurant for Sale and the $1.5 million asking price for the Standardsville Hotel and Restaurant, we can use those two headlines on tomorrow's program. All right. So I'll give you a tease for tomorrow's show. The Lafayette Inn, it's a restaurant and inn in Standardsville on Main Street in Greene County. Neil Williamson's stopping grounds. In fact, Neil Williamson, are you now the king of Greene County? Well, no, you're the king of content. Neil Williamson, I will, I will name um, Katie Brunel as the queen of Greene County. Samantha Brunel as the princess of Greene County. And why don't I name Brent Wilson as the king of Greene County and Neil Williamson will keep, keep his moniker as the uh, king of content. But I'll save this for tomorrow. I'll give you guys a tease. The Lafayette Inn in Sandersville, it's for sale. 
the asking price is $1,500,000. $1,500,000. It includes the real estate, though. This is not just an idea. This is not just a business that's for sale. You're buying the business and the real estate itself. Yeah. Tangible assets included in the $1.5 million asking price. I'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Juan Sarmiento, the king of transportation, loves Judah's idea for using butcher paper. Thank you. Juan Sarmiento loves your idea. Yeah. Would it's you- great. Keeps your fingers clean, and, uh, and, it's, and it's a great uh, – it also keeps your burger together. That's my big problem with the uh, Citizen Burger Bar is that, uh, is that they're gigantic. And I love it. But it's like it takes about five seconds for my hands to be covered in whatever is inside the two buns. And, uh, and by the time I'm halfway through with the sandwich, the bun is falling apart. And uh, I pretty much just give up and pull out the fork and knife. Which burger do you get at Citizen? I like the steakhouse burger. I like the crispy onion straws on the top. Mm, I think I usually just build my own. You build your own? Yeah. You get a, a mini or a... a- I guess build your own is not a mini. Yeah, I don't get the mini. Um, uh, okay, I'll say this. One of the Albemarle County Planning Commissioners is watching the program, and this Albemarle County Planning Commissioner is asking for anonymity, but he hears he heard what Spencer Pushard said about, hey, Almore County just approved an operation center for a mall. Yeah. And the planning commissioner who's asked for anonymity, he's an active planning commissioner, said, I don't want to do this publicly, but it's worth noting that there was a public hearing for the service center at Fashion Square Mall, and there were zero comments from the public. So he's highlighting that we intentionally went out of our way to let the community know that we were going to do a service center and an operation center at Fashion Square Mall at the JCPenney, and we encouraged the public to offer comments, and, and zero people of the public offered comments to the Planning Commission. Yeah. So, so if you want to moan and cry about it. It's too late now. Shut it. That's pretty much what he's saying. Yeah. And which I respect that comment. Yeah. Do not? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're calling for comments on this. How do you feel? That's why I think <coughs> electing... And, okay. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Electing a board of supervisor or a city councilor or a planning commissioner that was transparent and communicative and utilized social media to inform the community what was happening at Albemarle County with its government or Charlottesville City with its government, I think that would be welcomed by Central Virginia, by Albemarle County voters. I will say this, Nakaya Walker, she and I were like oil and vinegar. We did not get along. She r- routinely heckled better me on her oil, social media. Oil and water. What's that? Better to say oil and water. What did I say? Oil and vinegar. Okay. We were like oil and water. <laughs> Classic salads topping. <laughs> Jaguar. Jaguar. Minneapolis. Yep. Minneapolis. We were like oil and water. We didn't get along. Mm-hmm. But one of the things Nakaya Walker did extremely well is she utilized social media to inform the community on how she was voting and why she was voting that way mm-hmm. and what pressing topics were on the agenda that they need to know about. Yeah. If you think of the last 20 years, I've been in this community for 23 years. 
Nakia Walker was the most communicative elected official at the local level in those 23 years that I've been in this area. And we didn't get along on anything, but I respect how she communicated and try to utilize social media to bring transparency to what she was doing. Yeah. That's what elected officials should do, is let folks know what's going on. Definitely. Especially at the local level. Thank you, uh, Anonymous Planning Commissioner, for offering that uh, perspective, and I will promise you I will maintain your anonymity, um, sir. That's the show. We went 90 minutes without stopping today. You did a great job today. Um, you get what we try to do here. Talk local. We had a former mayor watching who's running for delegate, school board, uh, someone who ran for school board, an active planning commissioner, multiple media outlets, the king of content, Neil Williamson, watching, and a lot of fantastic local citizens watching today's show. For Judah Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville show on a Wednesday afternoon. So long, everybody. <laughs>